Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is doing great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summonsa.com and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summonsa.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. The ransom he paid was not gold or silver. <clears throat> he paid for you with the precious life blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You know, in American culture of big, mega, fast, hot, buff, thin, we tend to ignore and overlook ordinary people and ordinary things. We tend to miss and undervalue the huge potential in the ordinary that's all around us. I am told that we have over 7 billion people on planet Earth, and over 100,000 were born last night, and not a single one has the same DNA or fingerprint. Pretty awesome. That means God, with His awesome creativity and power, has produced in you an individual that can never be duplicated. There will never, ever be another you. God does not celebrate sameness. He doesn't clone. You know, agreement requires diversity. Unity demands diversity. So thank God you're different. So why did God make you and I different from everybody else? Well, He wants us to learn and understand the principle of scarcity. Economists teach the value of something is determined by how rare it is. In other words, the more difficult it is to find, the scarcer it is, the more value is placed on it. Oil is valuable, diamonds are valuable, gold is valuable. Because you can't find it laying on a parking lot, right? No, it's pretty rare. So God made you unique and irreplaceable because He never wanted you to lose your value. Every one of us, with some teaching, needs to raise our value to match God's value of you. Don't let the devil devalue you through demeaning thoughts, events, your negative past that kind of break your spirit and you start to bail out on relationships, responsibilities, maybe even life itself, and worse, you start to bail out on God and His plan for your life because you think you have no value. I'm just worthless. Did you know that in America alone, suicide is the leading cause of death among those 15 to 23 years old? Suicide. Last year, according to the Center of Disease Control, 42,000 deaths took place because of suicide. That's more than the homicides in the United States, meaning more people died by their own hands because they feel valueless. How valuable are you? Well, if you want to measure it, you're as valuable as the price God paid to redeem you back. Jesus didn't die to make you valuable. He died to prove your value to Him. You were worth the death of God. That'll set your hair on fire. Amen. Yeah, don't talk down to yourself again. You look in the mirror and say, God made a good thing when He made you. Ask God to damage permanently your ignorance. 
You know, no matter how horrible your past or your drama has been in your life, your value is not one cent less in the eyes of God than it's ever been. Your value is not based on what you've been through. It's based on what your maker and creator declared your value to be, and that still stands today. Did you know the wealthiest spot on planet Earth is not the oil fields of the Middle East, not the gold mines of South Africa, but I tend to think it's our cemeteries, because buried in those cemeteries are books that were never written, dreams that were never fulfilled, ideas that never came to fruition. Cemeteries are filled with songs that never became a reality, businesses that were never built. People died to their dreams and passions. People died with the awesome dream of God still in their heart, and the awesome power of potential was buried in the ground. So God's mandate to the church of Jesus Christ and to us as a church is raise the dead. Matthew 10, verse 18, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now, not just physical dead, but how about dead talent, dead gifts, dead dreams, dead marriages, and the awesome power of potential. And the only agency that can do that is the church. The church has resurrection power in it. The government can't do it. Civic leadership can't do it. The educational system can't do it. The dead can only be raised by the good news of Christ through His church. So who but God knows the potential buried in this room this morning? You know, what do you call the wealth that's buried in a cemetery? Potential. Potential means untapped power, dormant ability, unused strength, hidden power, unused success, and undiscovered wealth. Believe it or not, you are not running on 100% right now. I don't think anybody in this room, including me, is running at max potential. And that's what I want to challenge you on this morning. Potential means power not being used yet. And God is the God of potential. That means God always conceals power. It's there, but He conceals it. So with power, I mean potential, is always what is not seen, then potential is who you are, but nobody knows it yet. In fact, you may not know it yet. Potential is what you can really do, but you haven't done it yet. Potential is how far you can go, but you haven't gone yet. Potential is how much you can accomplish, but you haven't accomplished it yet. Remember, potential is never what you've done, but what you haven't done yet. Think about it. What you've done could never be potential because potential is what you could do, but you haven't done it yet. So if you've already done something, God's not interested. God's a God of potential. The moment you've done something, God gets bored. He says, okay, now do something else. Don't just sit down and get complacent. That's why God says, without faith, no man can please God. When I've done something, I don't need faith for it anymore. It's a Maybe a silly illustration, but since I was 18, I've been tithing because of the influence of my grandfather. I don't need a sermon. I don't need any proof text. I don't need any psychology tests from uh, Berkeley University that prove generous people always do better in life and blah, blah, blah. I've been living that since I was 18 years old. I don't need a drop of faith to believe that if I give, I shall receive. 
It's been proven to me. There's a whole bunch of things I have absolute confidence about. I don't need it. I don't need a Bible text on it. I don't need a bunch of intercessors to pray for me to come through. I know it. I don't need a dime of faith. Now, don't clap for that. That didn't take any faith. I want to get you to move over where you haven't discovered your potential, where you haven't realized what's possible. That's where your hair gets permed if it's straight. If it's straight, that's where it, that's where it gets permed. And if it's permed, it goes straight on you. That's, that's the fear factor. That's where your potential is. And the Bible says, what is not of faith is sin, Romans 14, verse 23. So God never rebuked anybody, nor will he rebuke you for dreaming too big. Don't, parents, don't put down the dreams of your children, even though for you it may seem like a fantasy. Never step on their dream. Dream big. You may not get all you dream for, but you'll never get more than you dream for, so why not dream big? The only time God ever rebuked Israel was for being too small. They limited the Holy One of Israel and turned back. He said, look, I can take down the giants. I can take down any obstacle, but I can't overcome your unbelief. So we are the limiting factor in an unlimited God. And the one thing I am always concerned about with me is living beneath my potential. I don't want people hanging on me that are dragging me back. Well, we don't want to think that big. Well, that takes too much risk. Well, that might cost too much. Go to Kmart and stay there. (laughs) I don't want to live that way. I can remember my grandparents who raised me in high school because I come from divorced families. And I remember they survived the Depression and lost everything and then came back and got it all back. But what was in them was still recession. And I can always hear that voice of my grandmother or grandfather. Ricky, shut the door. Don't let the heat out. Cut the light off. Close that door. Anybody grow up like that with me? But me? When we bought our very first house, I put both double doors open, cut the heat pumps on, and all the lights. And I just stood there for a few moments. (laughs) Say, what do you think about that, Grandpa? I wasn't going to live with a poverty mentality of, of mosquito. I've got an unlimited God here. I'm not being wasteful, but I wanted to overcome that that negative mindset they had. And I thought a lot of you have it too. You've been influenced not by God, but by people who live way below their potential and want you to stay there too. I want this to be a church that calls you to live way, way, set the bar high. God's got big plans for you. And I don't care how small a background you come from. Man, don't, don't live small. God never rebuke anybody for dreaming too big. God is no longer pleased or impressed with the business you've built. He wants you to build the one you haven't touched yet. And that might mean an expansion. Several men in here have already just done so. God isn't impressed with a bachelor's degree if he's put a master's degree in you. So stop bragging about what you've done. God is a God of potential. Ephesians 3.20, put this on your refrigerator. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, you ask or think. Whatever you're asking, he says, that's nothing. I can do more than that. Whatever you're thinking, he said, I can do more than you can think. I can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, you ask or think. Some of you ask, well, I don't want to bug you, Lord. I don't want to ask for too much. Ask for too much. Be a master asker. You have not because you ask not. 
I cannot get people to say, ask for a better table. Ask if we can move over there. Ask if we can have a complimentary upgrade. Ask, ask, ask. And everybody holds back. Even my wife will hold back. I just charge out there and I'm going to ask. All I can get is a no. I got no going for me if I don't ask. Why don't I ask? I might get a yes. Some of you single guys, ask that beautiful young lady to have a coffee with you in the shop back there. Or may I have lunch with you on Sunday after church? Oh, you don't have the guts to ask her. <laughs> All she can say is no, and sitting there, you got nothing. What do you got to lose? You can go have dinner with your old best friend any old day, but you never know. <laughs> ask and keep on asking. It ain't over till she says I do to somebody. It's not over. Well, she's engaged. Yeah, engaged ain't married, okay? You're not off the market yet. You see, what? I don't know. I'm trying to say the quit mentality is just everywhere. Well, that door is closed. It's not closed. Not at the bank, not at a lender. Now, maybe that door is, but there's one. You just don't think big enough and, and, and comprehend the, the, the idea that, no, no, you're limiting yourself. You haven't asked the right people yet. Come on. Keep it up. Think big. I'd like to be the first church God ever, ever rebuked for asking for too much. You know, you're loving too big. You're giving too big. You're serving too big. Stop it. You think that is even possible? No, it's not possible. I'd like to be the one that went too far. I think the greatest enemy of progress is our last success. Nothing can stop our progress like success. And you know what, what I think about a lot since we moved here? That everybody sat down. It was such, a, such an ordeal, such a tough time to get loans to build something and multiple, multiple millions of dollars I can't even spell is that then when people get in and finally get out of something old and get in something new, they sit down, get comfortable and say, well, that's it. And they quit. And they quit. I mean, Joshua had to tell Israel, hey, don't quit. We got much more land to, to, to conquer. You, we've, met, we've gotten in. We, we've defeated some of the enemy. But he says, and I'm quoting now, there remaineth much land to be possessed. Folks, we got a gym to build. We've got a children's building over here to build. We've got lots of property to, to overcome and take care. We've got seats to fill. Don't sit down and get, well, I guess that's it. Let's just meet the bill and go home. Well, you're finished. If this is the finish line, I'll quit because this is not the finish line for me. I, I, I want people who are hungry and thirsty and said, shoot, no, come on. I mean, when I finally hit the dirt, I want to leave a footprint. I want Summit to leave a footprint and a legacy for the next generation. Not just a big bill, right? Don't you want to live with me? Yeah, you're terrible. I know. It'd be terrible, wouldn't it? You're just never satisfied. Hello. <laughs> That's right. Until the day I die. You, you, you got to have something to get you up in the morning. You know, something to drive you through. Well, you, you, you're, you're, you're due for retirement. Who said retirement? Find that in the Bible. Who said that? I'll retire when I die. That's not even possible. I don't even think like that. I don't want to sit around with slobbery old men and talk about my Social Security. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? 
I want to go to Monaco. I want to drive a big boat. I want to be on a yacht somewhere in the Mediterranean. I want to, I want to influence people around the world for good. I, oh, I got all kind of bucket list dreams in me. I think about it all the time. Well, that's just carnal. No, you're just pitifully small. That's all. I didn't come from that background, but I want to think that way. Renew your mind. God didn't put any limit on you, how big you could get, how much you could make, what you could accomplish, people you could impact. You put the limit on. Culture put the limit on. Your family put the limit on. The people you hang around put it on you. Not God. You dig into this Bible here, and it's unlimited. I just wish I had been led to grow up in an environment like that. I've often wondered where I could be today. So God's never impressed by what we've done. He knows you can do more. Never measure your life by people's opinion of you. Life is to be performed before an audience of one. No matter how many people like you, cheer for you, clap for you, don't watch the crowd. You better watch Jesus. And if he doesn't clap, I'm a failure. He's the one I'm born to please, and so are you. And he's the only one who knows what you can do and what I can do. And until he gets up and shouts, well done, keep moving, baby. Keep moving. Keep dreaming. Keep achieving. This is important. Don't be satisfied with normality. To be satisfied with mediocrity buried with normality is failure. God did not birth you to be normal. Some people have been subnormal so long when they see somebody behaving normal, people think they're abnormal. You know, that's a fact. Some people think that if you live life to the full and you look at them, that looks extraordinary. That looks abnormal because, you know, if you grew up in poverty, you'd just think it was normal. Yeah, you would. If you grew up in that environment, you would. You wouldn't know anything was different. But if you grew up in an environment that should be normal, you grew up in a good family, a loving family environment, challenging you to live big, dream your vision, parents who believed in you. When you came to another culture, you'd say, oh, this is terrible. These people don't encourage anybody. Oh, we can't afford that. You'll never make it. Who, to who told you you could be a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or whatever? And people live in that environment. And pretty soon, it just stomps their dreams into the dirt, and they just coast with life. They just go get a paycheck, go home, watch TV, eat dinner, burp, go to bed. Same old thing every day. Now, you were born to be unique. You aren't born to fit in. You're born to stand out. So potential is not what you've done. No, we shouldn't be excited about three or 4,000 people if it doesn't fit with what God showed us. If it's not, it's, it's not what we've done, it's what God has shown us we can do. See, God is a God of potential. Omni means all. It also applies always all. Potent means power, might, strength, and energy. Omnipotent. There's only one person that is ascribed to, and that's God. He's all-powerful and always full of power. So if God is always full of potential, it means that all God has done is not all God can do. Potential is never what you've done. It's what you could do, but you haven't done it yet. When God created the galaxies over a hundred billion so far, hundreds of millions of planets in each of these galaxies, and our little Milky Way is just a tiny speck among all those galaxies that came out of God. Billions and billions of stars and planets and solar systems and galaxies came out of God. That'll, that'll set you on fire. Holy moly. 
And when God was finished, he said, I'm omnipotent. In other words, you ain't seen nothing yet. Our God is an awesome God. That means if you need something and he hasn't made it yet, he's got it on the inside. That's why scripture says his ways are past finding out. You can't comprehend God. He's got stuff you haven't even seen yet. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Through Him were all things made that were made, and without Him was nothing made that has ever been made. So if everything was created by God, then where were they before they were made? In God. See, so there was a time there was nothing but God. So think about God before anything was, standing on nothing by the corner of nowhere, and imagine God with everything inside before anything was. You still with me? <laughs> now, if you met God on the corner of nowhere, standing on the sea of nothing, and you shook hands with Him, you'd be shaking hands with everything, but you wouldn't have known it because it was still potential. And that's the problem with the human race. We don't know who we're shaking hands with. You don't know what God put in the person beside you. You don't know what the treasure is in that earthen vessel. That's why you shouldn't cancel anybody, because you don't know what's in everybody. And one of life's greatest tragedies is canceling people. A couple of years ago, I heard General Tommy Frank speak at the University of Texas commencement. He had been a student there, and he mentioned in his commencement speech that one of his professors says that he wasn't one of the sharpest knives in the drawer. Now he's commanding general of all the forces in the Gulf War. And he said, the professor said, Tommy, I can't believe it's you. You don't know what's in people. You never know who's in your class, sitting in the seat behind you, in front of you, on your bus, listening to your CD, who's out there your ministry is touching. You don't know. You know, I've been in gold mines in uh, South Africa. And I was, my first impression was how many tons of dirt ore they have to process to get one ounce of gold. That was shocking to me. Now, you know, miners don't mind the dirt because they're looking for the gold. Sadly, the church is enamored with the dirt and overlooks the treasure in a human being. Because all of us came in with lots of dirt around us. But there was some gold in there. There's some treasure in there. You know, and the Bible is a book of potential. It's the book of God collecting garbage. God's an expert in garbage collection. Sometimes humanity throws something away and God is able to catch it. I'm taking this thing home. Why, Lord? Because I know what I put inside of it. Calvary was the greatest salvage operation of all time. That which deserved death and damnation, that which was an abomination to the holiness of God, that's us. God died to save it. God didn't die for you because he felt like doing something warm and fuzzy. God died for you because of his investment in you. Uh, what you're carrying was more important than his death. That's why dying was no problem for Christ. Be it unto me according to your word. The stuff you were born to do was more important than his death. So he died to secure the stuff you and I were born to do. God didn't save you to go to heaven primarily, but you will, so relax. Why does God keep you alive? Why does God provide healing? Why didn't he just zip you on to heaven? He doesn't want you in heaven. You were born to do something on earth. 
Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All the needs on earth, not in heaven. Ain't nobody need encouragement in heaven. Nobody says, pray for me, I'm sick in heaven. Nobody's committing murder in heaven. It's on earth. And you're pregnant with God's treasure in you. You're carrying God's vision, something in you for this earth. That's why I challenge you, die empty. Don't check out before you show up. See, don't take the treasure of God in you back to a cemetery. Deliver that vision in you. And when you die, there shouldn't be anything left in you to do. Jesus said, it is finished. Paul said, I finished my course. If you're with a friend of spouse, not a stranger, just tell your neighbor, die empty. Go ahead, tell them. It'll do you good. Die empty. Come on, Jack. Show up before you leave. Most folks in a cemetery never showed up. They became what their parents wanted them to be, what society wanted them to be, what a gang wanted them to be. And you know, I'm in the religious business, and there are so many different groups, wonderful groups, led by great men and women all over this country. There are. They have different names. And they all want you to be in their group. And they all have little different identities. They have little idiosyncrasies they like. Maybe it's the way they dress. Maybe it's the skinny jeans, the shaved side of the head. Maybe it's the man person, lots of beads and jewelry. Cool, whatever. I ain't never joined anything. I joined my wife in marriage, and I joined Summit. That's it. That's it. I ain't joining no gang. I don't want—nobody's going to conform me to their image except Jesus. I, I like these people. I want to be friends with these people. I want to have them here. I want you to meet them, but I don't want to be in your gang. I like me. I don't want to get my identity from you like me. Well, whoopee-doo, what happens if you don't like me? Then I don't have any identity. Some of you need to like yourself a lot better. Love others as you love yourself. For some people, don't love me, don't love me, because you hate yourself. So you got to love yourself. Jesus said so. That means a, a definite, real appreciation of who God made you to be. You're of great value even though at the moment you may be in a big mess and not living up to that. You know, I don't want to become somebody else's expectation. So who are you really? Do we really know you? Or do you just remind us of your mother? Have we met the real you yet? Or are you just like your father? See, when you discover your true potential, you become a problem to society. Now you're not available for manipulation anymore. People can't control you anymore because you've got a revelation of who you are and what you can do. That makes you a problem because people's opinions can no longer stop you. You know, there's 7 billion people on the earth. So if a couple of people don't like you, whoopee-doo. So what? I'm going to go home and cry, suck my thumb because somebody doesn't like me. I guarantee you, if everybody likes you, something's wrong with you. That's a fact. If excellence shows up and meets mediocrity, mediocrity ain't going to like excellence. And excellence is not going to like mediocrity. So you are going to rub some people. If you're doing a lousy job, if you're not doing what you should be doing, I'll probably offend you. Well, that's my job. Afflict the comforted and comfort the afflicted. That's all. But the point is, if you can't Hack it, take your jacket. You know, it's like, what? That's a shame. People are so easily offended and pitch their destiny.
Potential is dangerous because you can't see it. Who'd have thought a guy on Easy Street in the palace of Egypt would become a murderer? Would then write the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. It's a shame people's reputation is more important than their potential. But reputation cannot destroy your potential. A lot of stuff we know about you is not really you. When people saw Moses, they saw a killer, a fugitive. But what did God see? A patriarch, a deliverer. Maybe you've committed adultery, destroyed your life with drugs. Maybe you destroyed a job or a marriage, but you're still breathing. So God knows there's still something left in you. He's not finished with you yet. Who would have seen in a killer the Ten Commandments, the civil and social laws of a nation? That was in a murderer named Moses. What's in you? Don't let labels limit you. David was a king, but he could write and sing songs. He's a politician writing songs for the church. Don't say you're just a carpenter. That's what you do. That's not who you are. God looked at a coward named Gideon, but inside of Gideon, God saw a mighty man of valor. He just needed to get it out, and he became a great deliverer, a warrior that would save a nation. That was in this little gutless, spineless guy hiding in a wine press. You never know. God looked at Rahab, a high-dollar escort, and saw a womb that would carry the messianic seed line of Jesus. Who but God would do that? Don't cancel people. So we, we have the marginalized. We have minorities. We have Republicans, Democrat, Independent, Tea Party. And it's amazing to me, even in the church, how we will tend to classify people so we can cancel them. That is so sick. You may be canceling God's gift to you. Yeah. I remember when Bill Hybels at Willow Creek in Chicago had, at that time, had the largest church in America. And I was privileged to know Bill and to speak with him on two different conferences, one in Australia. And some of my, quote, pastor friends said, well, he doesn't speak in tongues, Rick. He's got the biggest church in America. You got 200 people. I think I can learn something from Bill. So you just keep babbling over here, and I'm going to see if I can get a little wisdom over here so I can do a better job. I'm not going to cancel somebody that could enrich my life. You don't have to agree with everything, but there's something, a treasure in that person that may be greatly beneficial to you. You, you say, you, some of you are still white supremacists. You don't believe that an African-American man can teach you something or be a best friend to you or impart some wisdom? You're stupid. And if, you, if you're African-American, you don't believe a little old white cracker can help you teach you something? You're stupid. First time I came to this, it's true. Hey, you know it goes on. You know it does. Oh, you go over to that white man's church. See, what's happening? Witchcraft. I'm trying to believe you don't know who you are, and I can intimidate you with fear of rejection so that you'll feel bad, and you'll go back to what doesn't bring you life just because I can control you now because you don't know who you are. I'm going to let anybody control me like that. Nobody. I don't care if I have to die. I'm not going to let you control me like that. I don't care. Well, if I leave you, you'll just be sorry for that. We'll leave, baby, and we'll just see. I've been seeing this over for 73 years. Come on, you day into first. I've been to this rodeo many times. I know God chose me. I know God set me. I know I'm absolutely worthless without him, and I don't have a fear in the world. 
whatever he began in you or me, he'll perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Don't let people twist you and torque you around. Remember that young lady from Jamaica that was in a big, big, fashionable white church that said, you're not our kind when she went there to visit? And I said to her, sitting at discount tower, we are. Come on, babe. Come on. I got friends from every ethnic, cultural group in the world and love them all. And they've all made me better because of it, have enriched my life. So I don't care. Well, what do you believe about the rapture? What do you believe about the Bible code? What do you believe about uh, what? What do you believe about the alignment of the plans? What do you believe about Y2K? What do you believe about the blood moons? What do you? I actually don't ever give it a thought. Has it got you in a wedgie? It doesn't bother me at all. I don't care. <laughs> I'm on a mission. I got an assignment. I got a purpose. I'm going to fulfill it. I, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But. People will then do that so they can reject you. And if you don't give them the answer they want, they will reject you. They want to classify you. And boy, Jesus wouldn't let them do that. God loves the rejected, the outcast, the marginalized. When God comes to earth to save it, He doesn't go to the university to get a PhD. He chooses a stinking fisherman, farmers, extortioners, a couple of thieves. Come on, there's hope for you. <laughs> yeah. You're still breathing? God sees something on the inside. Why does God call us something we're not currently acting like? Because the manufacturer knows his product. He made you and he knows what you're capable of. The woman at the well had five husbands, was shacked up with a guy that wasn't her husband. And when Jesus met the Samaritan woman, he asked her for water. She said, Who do you, why do you, a Jew, ask me for water? Why do you, a Republican, ask me, a Democrat, for water? You fill it in. Jesus said, baby, if you knew who I was, you'd be pouring water night and day if you knew. See, here's cancellation by classification, global problem in the church. She had never met Jesus. She didn't know him. She didn't know what was in him. She said, thou art a Jew. We don't have any dealings with the Jews. But when you cancel people by classification, you just robbed yourself of blessing and life. See, are you word of faith? Do you believe in the rapture? Do you believe in tongues? Do you believe in wine? Do you believe in the Bible code? See, once you label, you can cancel. That's why labels are so powerful. And Jesus was a problem because the Pharisees couldn't label him. Don't walk around with denominational labels because it causes people to be able to cancel you before they know you and know what a treasure you are. And don't underestimate the extraordinary potential of the ordinary. Who would have picked Mary, the mother of Jesus? She comes from Nazareth, a hole in the road, a truck stop, a place with a notorious past and criminals, a place where nobody wanted to be. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's its reputation. And here God comes to a girl with a nowhere life, living in a nowhere place, overlooked, undervalued, and God comes to her and says, you're going to be the mother of God. Woo! Amazing. Who? No, you figured he would go to the seminaries of the day, the, to Gamaliel and the school of Hillel, and you would, he would have picked somebody who was the daughter of, the great teacher, the Pharisee of somebody who had proximity to the religious uh, scholar. Nope. Truck stop, barefoot, <laughs> little girl living in a rundown shack. And he says, hey, you'll do. God loves to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. There's a treasure in you, folks. Live full, but die empty. God wants you to carry what you have to enrich the world around you.
Give your ordinary life to God and watch God bring out that treasure that nobody sees in you. I don't know if you've been a pimp, a hooker, a drug dealer, a dropout, three-time divorcee, a scoundrel, a thief, a liar. There's hope for you. There's hope. God can take all of these kinds of people and make something precious and wonderful out of all of them. I don't care what mommy and daddy said about you or what your last mate said about you or what you believe about yourself or what your school said about you. You ought to listen and see what God says about you. You can change the world. Thanks for joining us today and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.